hosting for your tech life, proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. Welcome to Your Tech Life. Happy to help you out with your tech problems if you've got anything going on in your world and you want a bit of advice, bit of help, bit of uh, question and answer, let's talk about the technology in your life uh, anytime you like. Uh, the website is eftm.com.au and I'm happy to take your emails and get you on the show uh, one week ahead. Uh, we've got a few calls tonight, plus we will talk uh, about mobile phones and Australia's perceptions of the mobile phone companies. We'll talk about the Windows 10 update and the anniversary update that's coming. I want to talk about screen time with kids and um, just what it means. What is screen time and how much screen time should kids be getting? It's a very interesting debate. Plus, I've been playing a preview of the new Formula One 2016 game. And I do have to tell you about it because I'm very excited. If you think Stephen Fennick gets excited about Call of Duty, well, let me tell you, I get excited about Formula One 2016 or 20 whatever year it is because it's always awesome. Uh, all of that ahead, thanks to the good people at Garmin, Satellite Navigation, GPS Technology, and Alcatel. The Alcatel Go Play now available, $299, shockproof, waterproof, dustproof, simple mobile phone to uh, please everyone. Uh, well worth checking out if you're in the market for a phone outright. Got a few emails to read, got a few things to do. Uh, all ahead on Your Tech Life this week, episode 339. And uh, I appreciate your support, I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate you jumping onto iTunes if you can and leaving a rating and uh, a review uh, because those ratings and reviews help other people discover the show and um, at the same time uh, help me feel good about myself. <laughs> there isn't much else about this show that um, makes it uh, you know worth doing. So, hey, why not leave a rating and... Uh, and we'll see what uh, see what it does. Now, I, there are a couple of ratings there. I think I need to check. I don't know that I've read this one. No, definitely not. Better late than never, says Roscoe44. Been a keen listener for several years, and it's time to give some recognition and say thanks to Trevor. Very useful weekly dose of tech in Australia delivered with a lighter touch. Thank you very much, mate. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to read these two as well because I don't think I've read them from Aussie Levo. Levo. Uh, I must apologize for taking so long to actually write a review. Yes, you should apologize, but thank you for doing it. Trevor has the ability to make technical, difficult technical problems sound manageable and solvable, solvable in the way he dis- dissects the issues. New product reviews are also invaluable in assisting my purchase decisions, decisions for my small business and personally. Always interesting podcast and well worth anybody's time to listen to. Thank you, mate. And uh, from Trevor in Foster, uh, Foster. Been listening to Your Tech Life for about 18 months now and rely heavily on Trevor to keep me informed and up to date. As a 71-year-old, I find his advice and commentary relevant, interesting, understandable, and invaluable. I would strongly recommend the podcast to anyone wanting to keep themselves up to date and informed on all things tech. Very nice of you, Trev. You've got a cracking name too. Uh, Your Tech Life, go to the website, send me an email, eftm.com.au. Let's get cracking. Sound crazy what I'm about to say But Trevor Long's the world's best techie He's the kind of guy we picked on at school And it wasn't fair but he don't care He's cool today Call him techie 
should say, uh, the uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech, if you're looking for that this week, will be uh, probably on Friday afternoon, evening available to you to download. I'm in Melbourne for the next couple of days, so we'll get together on Friday, record the podcast before Stephen goes overseas. So wanted to make sure that we uh, we get together for the last one before he jets away and uh, breaks the uh, breaks the run of us being in the same room. So so bad. <laughs> so goes life. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so two bags talking to you will be a bit later in the week, but uh, great to have your company right here, right now. Now, uh, Windows 10. I've said this before, and I will say it many times again. Um, Windows 10 is free, free to download, free to update. And that freeness ends this week. If you do not update your Windows 7 or Windows 8 computer to Windows 10 this week, it will cost you money to do in the future. You do not have to update your computer to Windows 10. Absolutely not. But if you feel you may at some point want to, it will cost you like 170 bucks. So do it now. It's free. Now, the thing is you can update and then roll it back. If you don't like it or it doesn't work, roll it back to how it was and then make a simple decision never to update until you next buy a computer. Now, if you have any problems, as I say, you can just hit restore and roll it back. Very easy to do. Now, the other thing about Windows that's um, worth mentioning, for those of us that are on Windows 10 uh, and have done the update, there is uh, there is some cool things coming um, later in August, August the 9th, I think. Um, no, August the 2nd, I apologize. So early next week, August the 2nd, there's a new version of Windows 10. Now, basically, they're not going to do an, a new version of Windows. Like, they won't be Windows 11 anytime soon. They're just going to do the whole iOS or Android, which is going to create a new set of updates. So the anniversary update will be available to um, Windows 10 users for free, if you've already got Windows 10, on August the 2nd. Now here's a couple of cool things that will be in there. And I've seen them, I've played with it, it looks very cool. Um, Windows Hello, if you've got a modern device that has a fingerprint scanner or good camera, is a way of unlocking the PC with your fingerprint or your face. And it's very cool. But they're now going to bring that into apps and the web. So you'll be able to sign into websites or apps using your face or your fingerprint. Now, it sounds simple, but it's a very cool uh, continuation of the biometric uh, security that exists. Now, think about the iPhone, for example. You can sign into the App Store. You can sign into banks. You can sign into lots of different apps using your iPhone's fingerprint scanner. That's basically what they're doing with Windows. So that's cool. Uh, Cortana, if you use her, is going to be available on the lock screen. So even though your computer's off, you'll be able to say, hey, Cortana, What's my day like today? She'll say, hey, Trev, you've got nothing on. You don't have a job. And you'll go, cool, that's fine. Or she'll say, you have 10 emails and three meetings. Um, now, if you say to her, read me my emails, she won't do that because it's locked. So you need to unlock the computer. So that's nice. It's a simple little thing. Again, it feels a little bit catch up but that's okay. Now, for those devices that have a pen, you'll be able to click the end of the pen even when the screen is locked and open up what they call Windows Ink. Windows Ink is a workspace that has um, post-it notes, sketch pad, screen sketch, and, and links to recently used apps. So no matter where you are, whether the computer is, so if you've got the computer under your under your arm and you're walking upstairs, someone says, don't forget to remind me that, you get to the top of the stairs, you, uh, you open the tablet in front of you, you don't have to log on, you just click the pen, it opens up the in Windows Ink, you write a little note, and it saves, done. Don't have to unlock the computer at all. Um, the sketch pad is very cool and the screen sketch is excellent because you could be reading anything, looking at anything, watching a video even, and do a screen sketch that takes a screenshot and basically allows you to annotate and draw and 
right all over it. So it's a really cool way of giving feedback to people about things that you see. Um, so yeah, well, um, well worth checking that one out as well. Um, what else is new? Edge, the Microsoft browser is launching extensions. Now I don't use extensions a lot. I'd be curious to know whether you do. Uh, and if so, what are they? Uh, email me eftm.com.au. I'd be curious to know what extensions you use. I did have one called Hola, which was that uh, VPN unblocking, um, extension, that allowed you to trick your browser into thinking you're in another place and then, um, you know, get access to content. That's about the only extension I think I've used. Um, but Edge is going to get extensions, which is basically a way of getting the, the nerdy uh, users to uh, start using Edge because they're just not. And finally, and probably most awesomely, Windows 10 is a universal operating system. Uh, it operates across Windows computers, Windows phones, and tablets and the xbox and gaming is coming to your pc and when i mean that i mean xbox gaming so the new halo the new forza they'll be released with what they call xbox play anywhere now play anywhere means any windows 10 device caveat that has the power to run it so basically if you have a high-end gaming machine running windows 10 and you've bought Forza on your Xbox, you better play Forza on your computer. Just like you can with an iPhone, you own the app on an iPad and an iPhone, no problems at all, you don't have to buy it twice. So Xbox Play Anywhere means you can play the game on your PC. Obviously, as I said, you need to have a gaming PC to be able to run it. It needs to have the grunt. But um, that's a very cool feature. Um, I think it'll go very well. And hopefully other game developers and publishers will also embrace the Xbox Play Anywhere concept and um, it'll become quite popular. So if you've got a cracking gaming PC, Xbox base, it's becoming an Xbox, which is not a bad thing. It means you can take your games on the road if you've got one of those like Alienware or um, Razer laptops. So that's not a bad thing at all. So that's what's coming with uh, with Windows, Windows 10 and the updates. Um, interested to know whether you've reluctantly updated, whether you've been forced to update or whether you uh, are absolutely avoiding any sense of update. Uh, and if so, why so? Um, let me know um, why or what. Um, keen to hear your thoughts on uh, on the website, eftm.com.au. Now, um, Formula One 2016. This is the latest edition of the Formula One game. Um, they update it every year, basically. Come out with a new version of the Formula One game. And that is then, um, you know, got all the new drivers and things in it. But it's not just the new drivers that they throw in. It's actually a completely rejuvenated game. It has new features, new functions, and a whole bunch of those kind of things. So it's coming out on August the 19th. The Not even the full preview version is available yet. But I was able to get hold of a PlayStation with a demo version on it. And they allowed me to preview the current version of... Um, uh, Formula One 2016 um, with a few of its basic features. And so I, you know, I've got my, if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you will have seen my awesome gaming rig. I've got this, um, what's called a play seat, which is kind of a lie back. You sit almost identically the way a Formula One driver does, kind of lying down. I've got my Logitech steering wheel. It's beautiful. Hooked it up to the to the PlayStation and, and uh, launched F1 2016. So it's not the full game. It's just a kind of working version. And it allowed me to try out the new career mode. Now, career mode is um, 
the the mode that you want to you know run through the game and actually you know do well and earn points and get through the season and win the championship. Now it's always been there, and what they've done is improved it re- remarkably. You now earn points during your career to help the development of the game of of the car. Um, you can actually now give yourself a full name, country, and number. So the number appears on your car. So my number twenty nine appears on my Red Bull Formula One car. It looks awesome. Um, you get a manager. They've got the paddock is back. Um, so you can actually, um, you know, have negotiations and have meetings. And you've got a laptop. You can look through what's happening and you're, you're pitted against your teammates. whole bunch of things going on in your actual career. Plus, what I really loved about it in this very quick preview look that I got um, is that you really take part in the race weekend. It used to be that you'd go to the race, you'd do practice, practice, practice until you got the track and then you'd do qualifying race. With this version, it's more like a real Formula One weekend. You go in, they say, right, go out and do six laps of track familiarization. Tick. And you come in. They send you out again and go, now do tire tire wear and fuel load testing. You do 10 laps. And they, they set delta times. You've got to do certain lap times. Then you go out and you do qualifying testing. So you're actually been given tasks by your team to complete on the track, which is exactly what happens in a real Formula One situation. Um, there's a lot, lot of good things going on with the game. The, the cars look excellent as they always did, but you've now got tire smoke when you lock the brakes, you've got sparks from the cars in front of you. Um, the tires, when you smash into a wall, the tethers stay. So the tires flap around. It feels so much more realistic. Very, very impressive. Um, as I said, the game available August the 19th, there is so much more to tell. I'll do a full review, uh, closer to the launch once I've played the full game. Um, but wow. Great looking game, really loved it. And in fact, you can also just simulate sessions. So if there's a track you're just no good at, you can just simulate through it and, you know, accept mediocrity basically without having to, you know, crash out. So there's some really cool things there. And it's a 10 year career. So you can play this thing through 10 years of your career and, and, you know, move teams and all that kind of jazz. Really, really cool stuff. Um, Well worth a look. I've, I've written up the preview and put some photos up at EFTM. Dot com.au. Check it out when you get some time. And we do it all thanks to the good people at uh, Garmin, Garmin Satellite Navigation GPS Technology. And the Vivo Move is this new watch that I was telling you about recently that looks like a beautiful, elegant watch. But just inside the watch face are two little digital displays, just little LCD displays. One of them shows you your move data which is you know how far to your goal you are and the other one shows you your steps so whether you take <clears throat> your steps in three inch heels or three piece suits the vivo move watch gives you the luxury of all day activity tracking without losing style the elegant timepiece tracks steps and monitors sleep too and with an impressive battery that powers you your watch for up to a year the vivo move is ready to go whenever you are at a glance the watch face shows your step progress and move bar but your watch also collects a whole bunch of other data that when you synchronize with your phone, bingo, off you go. Look, I think it's a beautiful looking watch. I think it's the it's the right way to go for move trackers. I, I love all the trackers that are out there, but not everyone wants to wear an extra band or a fancy little band. This is just a nice watch. So in your plain and simple but beautiful watch is an activity tracker. Check it out now at garmin.com.au. <laughs> Yeah. 
Your Tech Life, episode 339. Get in touch if you've got a question, a problem, or anything you want to have a chat about with uh, Your Tech Life. And uh, you can go to the website, eftm.com.au. G'day, Ross. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Good, mate. What can I do for you? Mate, I've got a problem. I'm running Windows 10 on a laptop. Yep. Struggling a little bit with it, as I think most people do. But it's persistently coming up with a error message, I suppose you'd call it, whenever I start up the computer. Mm. It comes up in a little box that says, another instance is running, configuration system failed to initialise. And it gives me an X in the top right-hand corner or a little box saying OK. Mm. I click on that OK or the X, it pops off and the computer merrily goes along its own way and starts and seems to do everything OK. What I'm worried about is what is it and what is actually... Can I do about it, if anything? Right. Okay. It's. I think it is... Um, I think I've heard of this before. Um, and it's. You're, as you say, it's actually not a big deal because you can just get past it. It just becomes annoying, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, there, there's a little bit of software. I'm trying to remember what it's called, like uh, ScanFix or something, that uh, that you can just run on Windows and it uh, it just kind of brings it back to, uh, to a previous restore point. So... Um, the best thing to do is look for a system restore. So go into, uh, go. you can just hit the Windows key and type restore and see if you can find anything in there about restoring to a previous, like, good point. But because you've rebooted so many times, it may now think that you're in a good good space. Um, <laughs> and so, so it, doesn't, it doesn't know that, um, that, it, that it needs to go back like that. Um, right. It's probably a plug-in or a pop-up or something like that, that that is running in the background. And there's a bunch of things you could do to, for example, go and turn off each one and, and see which one it is that's running and all that kind of jazz. Probably take forever, though. Um, I wouldn't know how to find them in the first well, place. <laughs> exa- well, I can tell you if, you, if you use a thing called msconfig, okay? So if you press start or, or Windows key and, and, and type msconfig, basically yeah. it lists here all the things that are booting up with your computer. Now, you can absolutely have a look there, but my concern is that you shouldn't absolutely turn everything off because it basically there are some things there that need to run. And if you don't know what they are, goodness me, you know, you don't want to be disabling everything. Um, right, I understand that. The thing that did you do an upgrade to get to Windows 10? No, I actually purchased a, a new computer with it factory fitted. Right. Is it what brand computer is it? It's uh, HP. Okay. Now, HP have a basically. There's a part of win, a part of the disk on that computer that you um, that you don't see normally. And what they have is they have a repair partition. It's called, and there's a process you can follow when you boot up that computer to basically launch into this kind of hidden world. And what it allows you to do is wipe the computer clean or reinstall Windows. And I'm wondering if that's probably the smartest thing to do, which is to um, re, reinstall Windows, if you like. Um, right. the, uh, you know, what Windows does is it can kind of install itself over the top of itself, and, right. um, and then that'll wipe out any, any kind of issues that might exist there. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things online. If you look around, I can see um, from HP support, if you search the HP support forums for the exact message that you're getting, um, they're actually suggesting what I mentioned a little while ago, um, re- returning your system to a previous restore point. Now, right. 
the problem is, as I said, it may you may have gone past that point. So, okay, I think the thing to do is is look up um, the HP Restore Key. HP Restore Key. There's a function. I think it might be like F5 or there's a button you've got to press to when the when the computer boots up. And, yes. and and what happens is you press that button when you first hit the power. I think it might be F11 as I little do a bit of little look look around. Yep. And within that function, now be cautious here. There's an area there we can wipe the computer away and start all over again. What you want to do is is a restore, right? A recovery. You don't right. want to. You don't want to. Um, you want to follow the prompts and be very cautious to read everything it says. You don't want to lose all your data, preferably. No. Now, if if that doesn't work or you, or you can't find that, then you might want to back the computer up and do this full restore. Right, but it's it's like it's not a um, it's not something you need to be too concerned about. But you want to get rid of the problem, and unfortunately, a little little kind of fresh reinstall of Windows will do that for you. Fair enough. Bit of a so, pain, Ross, but you know uh, when you've got maybe one of those, a, 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 one of those a, a weekend rainy day, maybe uh, <laughs> worth worth sitting down with it and uh, and working through it. Playing through it, yep. All right. Okay. Good luck, Wonderful. mate. Thank you very much. Good I'll certainly you. try it and see how I go. Good on you. I hope it goes well. And if uh, if you've got a question like Ross, just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening, Your Tech Life. And uh, if you want to get in touch, go to the website, eftm.com.au. Uh, whether you want to have a chat about anything technology in your life or uh, you've got a question or a problem, doesn't matter. Get on the line, uh, eftm.com.au. G'day, Victor. G'day, Trevor. How are you? Good, mate. What can I do for you? Okay, I've got my partner. She, she's basically coming to live in Australia, and I want to get a computer for her. Yep. Now, obviously, she doesn't speak English, and she wants like a. She's from a Russian background. Yep. So I want to keep a computer with obviously with a English Cyrillic keyboard. Right. And the ability for her, she wants to use it to be able to Skype with her um, family overseas, mm. um, do Google research. So obviously, it needs to come with a. Google web page that you can actually can read in Cyrillic. Yep. Um, is that possible to get any of that stuff here in Australia, Trevor? I think the um, the overall, like the software part of it, all that kind of stuff, very easy. But the physical keyboard is the thing that's going to drive you uh, up the wall okay. trying to find. But what I would think is probably um, like the easiest way to go is to buy a laptop for example um, you don't have to spend too much money I don't know how much you want to spend but you know up to a thousand dollars will get you a computer that'll absolutely do all those things you need it to do and then um, probably just online eBay or something buy a USB keyboard right oh, so okay. you know just obviously you're probably buying directly from Russia or somewhere but if you buy a keyboard that is physically um, laid out um, for for her then you plug it into the computer. It, it acts like a normal keyboard. Oh, Let's be clear. Um, yeah. When when you press the 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 furthest left top key in in the letter range, it'll still be a Q because you need to change the software to to be Russian. Yes. But that that's easy in Windows. You can change. In fact, you can you can make a little shortcut so that it switches between Russian or English depending on which which you want. Um, but I yeah, okay. I, I think that's all you need to do, mate. Get yourself, uh, you know, an, an affordable laptop that fits your budget, does what you need it to do, and then have a look online and and look for a uh, specific keyboard for her. And when you plug it in, you'll need to just change the regional settings. So if you go into Windows Settings Control Panel, 
and look yeah. for the regional settings. You get to right. choose, um, you know, the time zone and all those kind of things. You also get to choose whether you're using the dollar and all those things. So you're basically selecting all the all the functions that you want for her um, and customising it in that way, and then it'll work like it was bought so in the... you choose the Russian region, I'm guessing. Or... That's, well, you, you would what you do is you choose the Australian region for where it is, so the date and time of Australia, right. but then you physically choose the, uh, the Cyrillic keyboard. Okay, so okay. the keyboard is a separate option to the date and time, for example, um, so that the keyboard is laid out for her to, to tap away as she would normally do. I think I understand what you're saying. Okay, that's a try then. Well, you know, here's what you can do. If you've got a computer of your own, just be a bit, you know, follow, follow the steps and be ready to go backwards. But if you go into your settings on Windows and change the keyboard to Russian or Cyrillic, whichever it comes up as, just change it once and then press a few keys on the keyboard. You'll realize that you're typing the same keys, even though they, they say QWERTY, um, they'll come up with different characters. And then just change it back to English, and you'll see how easy it is to switch between the uh, the software understanding which keyboard you're using. Okay, I see. I'll give that a try. Okay. It's all in the software, and then to, to make control it comfortable, panel control panel regional settings, and then to make her comfortable, buy yourself a, a Cyrillic keyboard physically. Yeah, and obviously, the keyboard on the computer it hasn't got those really characters, so she wouldn't know what she was typing. That's right. But, you know, okay. you, you, importing one into the country means, you know, will it work and all these kind of things. So, yeah, be, be a bit cautious um, about doing that. So, better off to buy it straight away here and then and import a keyboard. No worries, Trevor. I appreciate that very much. Okay, mate. Good on you. Thanks for getting in touch. Thank you. Cheers. Right. If you've got a question uh, like Victor, anything you like in your tech life, just go to the website eftm.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading episode 339. Thanks to the good people at Garmin. And Alcatel, the Alcatel Go Play is a cracking little Android smartphone that um, is everything you need. It is a five-inch smartphone. It is Android. It it performs well. It's uh, got a great screen, a great camera, but it's also shockproof, waterproof, and dustproof. $299 outright. Find a big W on Australia Post and a range of other places. It's all you need in a smartphone. So if you're looking for a new smartphone for the kids or for someone in your family who may be a bit clumsy or someone who just wants something a bit cool and funky because it comes in different colors as well, shockproof, dustproof, waterproof, the Alcatel Go Play. Check it out now at uh, Big W and online. Just search Alcatel Go Play. You'll find my review at EFTM. And uh, as I say, $299 outright. Easy buy, the Alcatel Go Play. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Now, I think I mentioned last week, I actually don't remember whether I did the survey before I even did the show last week, but I created a survey on the website eftm.com.au and really on SurveyMonkey and I sent it out via my email database and a few other things. I tweeted about it, a lot of different places. And I, this was all brought on and I make no bones about the fact that it was brought on by the fact that Telstra are promoting themselves as having the least number of dropouts of any carrier. <clears throat> Excuse me, lowest call dropout rate of any network in Australia. And when I asked them, they said they do surveys to confirm their lower dropped call rate. So I asked that same question. Over 900 people have responded, which is in survey terms a bloody lot. And in fact, Telstra do only have 4% of their customers reporting that they often get dropouts. 44% say sometimes. Now that compares, so that's uh, 48% say sometimes or often. With Vodafone, it's 46% say sometimes or often. 
With Optus, 53%. With Telstra, 33% of people say they never experience dropouts. 37% of Vodafone customers say the same thing. So in my mind, according to my survey, which is representative of the market share of the telcos as well, I think Vodafone has the best response when it comes to call dropouts. Now, when it comes to coverage, again, a very subjective question. How do you rate the coverage from your current telco? 22% of Telstra customers say awesome, and that's the best result of all the carriers. But when you combine the okay, great, and awesome figures, Telstra do just as well as the next guy. In fact, again, Vodafone comes out best with not-so-great or terrible responses. So it's it's neck and neck. I'm not saying one is actually better than the other. I'm just saying I think it's a bit rich to claim one thing over another when actually we have three great networks. Three great networks. Coverage, reliability, and speed. When speaking about speed, Vodafone and Telstra both got great results in terms of speed. Top does not, not as much. Um, and again, I don't think Telstra can claim huge leaps forward in any other carrier because even though they have their 4GX and all these things, the perception of their customers is no different to that of Vodafone customers. So when it comes to referring customers, you know, friends, referrals and stuff, it's going to go just as well for a Vodafone customer as it is for Telstra. What I find interesting, and I'll dig more into this next week and the week after, is that's our problem. We have such good mobile phone companies that we don't change. We don't bother looking around. Now, I haven't published the data yet, but more than 50% of people haven't changed carriers in like four years or more. We're complacent. You can change carriers every month, every six months, every year. Keep your phone number. This is an easy switch. You might get a better deal. You might get more data. Yet we don't do it. We're lazy. Wonder what you think. Have you seen the results? I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, send me an email, eftm.com.au. Now, another one, a little kind of bugbear of mine is screen time. And I get asked this a lot. It's a common question, you know, are kids getting too much screen time? When we say screen time, we're talking about time in front of their computer or iPad or iPod. Now, there are some pieces of research out there that say kids could only, should only be getting X number of hours of screen time. Now, my information is those surveys, those that research that was done about how much time they should have, were done like 10 or 15 years ago when there was only one screen and of TV. Today, screen time can be both positive and negative. So the question for parents is what sort of screen time are you giving your children? Now, if your children are getting nothing but gaming, it's bad screen time. They're just playing shoot 'em up games or, you know, stuff like that. That's not great screen time. But if you actually take some time to find great apps, educational apps for your kids, screen time can be a good thing. Now, one of the biggest challenges people talk about preschoolers, young kids, three, four, and five, shouldn't be have screen time at all. Well, I'll tell you, that's complete crap because there are some unbelievable apps out there that teach your kids the alphabet, teach them creativity, teach them logic teach them any number of things and I absolutely believe you need to be using them now again screen time should be monitored screen time should be limited but don't believe any of the people that say it should be like 
two hours a week or something. It's ridiculous. I'm not even thinking it should be an hour a day. I'm just saying that there should be screen time as a part of your kid's educational life. I've published a list of apps at eftm.com.au, which I think you'll love the look of, the sound of, the concept of, from people like the ABC, from Aussie app developers, and there's an Aussie mum that's done some apps. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Plus, there's some unbelievable actual stuff that kids can tinker with. There's a device that actually helps you play with physical objects in front of the iPad and solve problems. There's apps that allow you to program little robots. I mean, there's some serious education that goes on when it comes to screen time. My challenge to you is to always know what your kids are doing on the screen time and not just give them the time because they're nagging you. That's just my view. I believe I'm entitled to it. <laughs> but you're entitled to yours as well, so um, get in touch anytime you like. Don't mind at all. Um, EFTM.com.au I've uh, got an email from Marcus uh, in Canberra who uh, <laughs> suggests history is repeating itself. Uh, he remembers a time... 20 years ago when he changed from Telstra to Optus because they had the same deal, but Optus had pay TV channels. He can also remember a time when he paid $850 for a PlayStation 2 because DVD players were so expensive. Yet now, he's just signed up to Optus again because of their NBN plan and the Fetch TV. And uh, Xbox now have the Xbox One S, which will play 4K. Very, very interesting. So there you go. It's a good observation, Marcus. Very good on you. Um, Pete, uh, Peter's, Peter from Victoria, who's a regular listener. Thank you, Pete. Um, we had a call last week. I think it was Ben talking about his uh, satellite NBN. Now, Pete is a super technical human being, and he's suggesting he's wondering if latency might be the issue. So the round trip between you know you requesting a packet and it coming back is the delay. So you can actually get a good speed throughput, but it's the initiation of that kind of connection that's the problem. And some of those apps that may be causing problems, maybe they're having problems with the latency. So interesting, and uh, we, we will continue to follow that up. Uh, Ben's going to email me his details, and we'll continue to follow that one up um, with the NBN if we can find out what's going on there. So lots to consider there. Another call, and then we'll wrap it up here on Your Tech Life. Get in touch anytime you like, eftm.com.au, and go on Twitter at Trevor Long, just twitter.com forward slash Trevor Long. And uh, also head on to the Facebook page and uh, hit like because, hey, why not? Uh, you'll find that at Trevor Long. Uh, TrevorLong.com is where I put that. TrevorLong.com. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a sec. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you've got a question about technology in your life, just go to the website. I will try and help you out. EFTM.com.au. G'day, Jim. G'day, Trevor. What Thanks can I do for, for you, mate? Taking the call. That's all right. Um, I've inherited a, a Nexus 5 phone from my son, which on many, many occasions completely closes down after taking or whilst taking a photo. Mm. Um, I looked at the Dr. Google, and uh, basically some of them seemed to think it was battery running down to about 70%, but I've come to the conclusion, rightly or wrongly, mm. that uh, it's in conjunction when the flash is being used, not all the time, might be a combination with the battery. It mm. just closes down, and you can't start it again unless you put it on charger. So, so it's all, it's always related it's to, always taking related to taking photos. Yes, that's the only time. Wow. Only time. So when you, you've got the camera app open, you go to snap a photo, and it just shuts down. Yep. The whole phone, and or just the app? 
Yeah, you can't start it. You cannot start it unless. And if you look on the net, as many other people have got it, but the uh, the problem. But uh, essentially, yeah, if if you put on the charge, as soon as you charge, it boots back up again, and you're away. Wow. And, and I might add, and I might add, you can't. The photo you took when it failed. Yeah. The photo's Gone. not there. Wow. Right. Well, look, there's there's two things I would suggest you at least have a look at and try. The first one is is another camera app because actually with with an Android phone, you you can install other apps and they can basically do exactly what a what a, a Google app does, but it might be a slightly different camera. And I'd be interested to know whether that works. So, search the Google Play Store for a another camera. So you just just type camera, but. Uh, Jim, be very careful. Uh, read the ratings. Look for one that has a five-star rating and all those things because a camera app, just like a Torch app and a few other things, are ripe for viruses and things like that because yeah, people, you know, yeah. sucker people so into you, downloading them. downloaded from the, the Google Play Store? Google or? Play Store. And before you choose which one to download, read the reviews, check the rating, and make sure there's a lot of positive people about that app, okay? Yeah. Now, yeah, once, once you install that... It's essentially doing exactly what your other camera app is doing, but maybe there's a fault in that app. So what we'll find out here is whether or not it's a hardware problem. Oh, yeah. Right? Because yeah. if another camera software does the exact same thing, oh, I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that phone. Yeah. Now, if that is the case, if reinstalling another camera app results in the exact same thing happening, I would recommend wiping the phone back to factory settings. So you go into the Android settings, you go uh, factory, or you go back up and restore, and you do a erase everything, factory reset. Right. Right, and that's going to delete everything that's on the phone, all of your photos, all your data, so make sure you've got those backed up. And then all your apps and that too? Well, look, your apps you can re-download. Yeah, I'll just have to write them down. That's right. <laughs> Mate, just write them down, and then you can get them again. But once you've wiped it clean, boot it back up. Before you install any apps, open up the camera. And if that thing... Is, is automatically shutting down again, mate, I would be straight on the blower to Google. Do you know where your son got it from? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Find out if he knows because, mate, I don't think that should still be – I don't think that should be happening and I don't think you should accept that, it, that it's out of warranty. Under Australian consumer law, that device should still function properly. Yeah, I know what you mean. But uh, it's been some time ever since I've looked at the uh, – the net, but when I did, there were other people, and they were all talking about percentage of batteries. And I thought, oh yeah, and it did vary, but it's always, always, as I say, when taking a photo. Yeah, well, and mate, the only the time you should literally lose everything is, I mean, like the things shut down. It's, if it's under ten percent, maybe there's a freak way it'll go. Oh no, it'll this deplete. is usually seventy percent. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, and well, it doesn't do it all the time. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, I noticed when I took a photo yesterday in a shop to, to take a record of dimensions or something, it went down, and then I realised that the flash symbol was on uh-huh. on the top of the whatever you want to call Shouldn't it. Shouldn't matter. Test the, the flash doesn't the flash deplete the battery by that much, you know. No. So no, try, two things to try, Jim: uh, a new app, so download a different camera app, and secondly, if that doesn't work, wipe the phone back to factory settings and see whether that um, brings it back to life. Great. I appreciate your help. No worries, mate. Uh, Good luck. Hope it works for you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. And if you've got a problem like Jim does or a question about technology, go to the website eftm.com.au. Talking technology without the jargon. Your Your Tech tech Life with Trevor Long. All right. That's a wrap. I 
seem to have a cold slash flu, which is awesome because I have a really important week this week with some uh, stuff going on, so just what I needed. Um, and I'm still on TUE every Sunday, midday till 6 o'clock. So if you're in Sydney or you're uh, near the app, TUE 954 every Sunday afternoon uh, for six hours. Lovely chatting to people and talking about all things other than technology. Great stuff, and I'm uh, always findable on your local radio station as well. So get in touch if you're wondering whether I'm on a radio station near you. Just send me an email. I'll let you know where and when. Uh, the email is just go to the website, eftm.com.au. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week. Goodness knows what we'll be talking about then. 